back. Welcome to the show, and uh, thank you so much for being here, man. So our next guest on the show today is a hypnotist. He's a voice artist, a self-help guy, and he is a YouTube sensation. Zach Pensense, welcome to the show. You nailed it. You nailed it. Thank yes. you guys for having me on. Yes, perfect. So I guess I'll give you a bit of a background on how I came across your work. I commute to and from work on public transport. So I go through a YouTube rabbit hole. And one of those uh, YouTube videos that I really enjoy watching are street hypnosis videos. And I came across your work and I have loved it ever since. So, well, so thank you so much for doing this today. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat all about it. So let's start with um, hypno hypnosis. What does hypnosis mean to you? So the funny thing about hypnosis is if you asked 100 different hypnotists to define hypnosis and ask them that same question, you'd get 100 different answers, right? It's still sort of in the infancy of discovering more of the science behind it and exactly what's going on in psychology and the neuroscience of the brain when somebody is under hypnosis. But I like to talk about hypnosis in a really simplified term. I like to say hypnosis is simply just the process by which we experience what we believe. It's kind of like when we dream at night, you experience a reality in your mind that's not true, but it still feels real. And so it's a belief that's true. Or if you know about the placebo effect where somebody can take like a sugar pill or a saline solution or even a sham surgery, and they'll still get better from something that shouldn't actually make them better, but they believe that it does. Hypnosis sort of just takes this heightened psychological state that we know works in these different capacities and just really heightens it to the extreme of whether it's on the street with the street hypnosis video or on stage in the, the shows that I do, you're giving people suggestions or ideas in this trance-like state that aren't real, but they're experienced like they're real, almost like they're having a dream in real life. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, I think there are levels for me in which I would probably be um, taken in by the hypnosis. So some of the stuff that I've seen you do is um, you get people to forget their own name or forget a certain number. I, th I think I'd be able to get there with those sort of suggestions, but I think there's a level where, uh, you know, where you get people to believe that you're a superhero, you're their favorite celebrity. I don't think I would be able to get to that, that level. Well, let me ask you, why not? <laughs> I'm not too sure. I think, I think there's, um, that's a very good question. I just, I, I'm not sure. Like, I just, I think there's a level of, um, oh, I, I, you know what, you stumped me. I really don't know. I just sort of, I don't think I can get taken in by, by it that much. I don't think I can get that immersed into the experience. Well, ultimately, it's still a belief. A yeah. belief whether you can or you can't, you know, as Henry yeah. Ford once said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're right. And if you think about it in terms of you just said up front, like, oh, well, I'm, I could get to the point where I could forget my name or be stuck. Like, that's just as equally ridiculous and not true as thinking I'm a celebrity or I'm invisible. Like, you, of course, know your name and you're never just immediately paralyzed. Like, that's not how reality works. But you said, oh, I could do that, but I couldn't do this other thing. Why? You just created an arbitrary limitation for yourself. If you could do one, you could do the other. Right? It's just all about how much you immerse yourself in that belief system. And so that's why it works at different levels for people is because they get in their own head to an extent or not. And when I put people into this hypnotized state, you know, it's called a trance-like state because they go into that sleep-like state. And I say the word sleep as a hypnotist, even though they're not actually asleep. If they were asleep, they'd just be passed out. They wouldn't be able to hear a word I say. But they're in this sleep-like state because it lets that analytical, critical, overthinking part of their mind sort of slow down. Where normally, if I were to just walk up to somebody and say, your feet are stuck to the ground and you can't move, be like what are you on of course i can and they would move their feet and walk away right but if you get somebody into this trance state where you slow down that analytical part of their mind and somebody tells you with conviction and confidence that your feet are stuck and you cannot move you take that in and you're like well whoa they said that so certain maybe that's true or that must be true and then that becomes a physical experience beyond just a belief so so ultimately you could be hypnotized to that extreme it all just depends on how much you allow yourself or you believe for yourself to have that experience i suppose it really depends like when you're in the experience you don't really know if you can get to that that level until you're in it i suppose but exactly. i think there's a, an analytical part of my brain where i'm not sure that i would be able to get get too far into the experience but i suppose you wouldn't really know until 
you're actually in it, experiencing experiencing it. Zach, what what kind of people do you meet that are very hard to get into those states? Because like you must observe people, and they, everyone has a different intellectual or whatever you want to call it, a barrier to it. What kind of people do you think are the hardest to put into that state? Well, people just like Dan. <laughs> uh, I kid, I kid, right? You know, it's those people who come in with those preconceived you know, yeah. limitations that they have yeah. on themselves, right? Where if they go in and say, well, I couldn't be hypnotized or this isn't going to work on me or, or my mind's too strong. You can't get in. You can't hypnotize me. They think it's going to be like the movies where some guy just walks up to you and goes, sleep, now you're my mind zombie and you'll do anything that I say, right? But I often like to say that hypnosis is sort of like meditation with utilization. You take a meditative state and you utilize it, you use it, you deliver suggestions, whether for fun or for more transformative to help people to improve their lives. But if you go into that experience and you go into a meditation and the guide is saying, now listen to the sound of my voice and let yourself relax. And you go, no, I will not relax. Like you can't get me. This isn't working. It's not real then nothing's going to happen, right? As a hypnotist, I say the right words in the right order at the right time to help people experience the state of hypnosis. And the more somebody allows themselves to get into it, the more that they can experience it. In the same way that if you were to try to fall asleep at night and you go like, gotta fall asleep, gotta fall asleep. Why can't I fall asleep? Why am I not falling asleep? Like what's going on? What, what, why is it so hard for me to fall asleep? You're so in your head that you're not letting yourself just let go and fall asleep. Same thing with the hypnosis. Some people go into the experience and they're like, all right, I got to do it. How can I get hypnotized? What, am, what what's, what's happening? Is this happening? Is this working? Am I hypnotized? And they're all in their head and they're not in the experience versus the people who are hypnotized the best are the ones who are allowed, who are able to let themselves just let go, have this experience and just allow themselves to experience it for what it is. You know, I like to say anybody can be hypnotized because it's all based in the psychology that all of us use, right? We all sleep, we all dream, we all experience the level of what we believe to an extent, but some people just have a hard time getting out of their head more than others. So the people who are willing to just let go and are often the ones who are more emotional sometimes and can just go with the flow and be in the experience are the ones that are hypnotized the easiest. But again, anybody can do it. It just requires some people to maybe get out of their head more than they'd be used to. So it does require a bit of uh, acceptance yeah. in terms of the individual as well. And I think that's how it works in medicine as well. You know how you would go to a doctor and you don't just, you're just there for just being there for the sake of it. But if you don't believe actually that this medicine would actually help me get better, I don't think it actually does. does help yeah. me get so well, that's why you see a lot of doctors who will be wearing, you know, the classic, the white lab coat and the doctor outfit, right? You know, imagine <laughs> you just, you just walked into, in, into the doctor's office and you just see your doctor wearing like, a basketball shorts and a tank top and yeah like bad cat backwards he'd be like all right man like we're gonna help you get better he'd be like, is this my doctor like what's going on and he's already created a belief just through that you know yeah. outfit that he was wearing and so you'd be much like much much less likely to think that doctor is going to help you and he could be just as qualified he puts on the white lab coat and, and the glasses and everything and he looks much more like a doctor and suddenly you think that he's much more likely to help you even though the skill never changed his experience never changed it was all how you perceived him and a belief that you created and then that affects your whole experience of you know how much you think you're going to get out of that experience so absolutely i think this is what you call suggestions right yep and uh, now in everyday life we have so much out there music visuals television phones there's so many suggestions out there that are trying to change our psyche or what our base level is how does yeah. um, well i think it does affect i think music lyrics which you listen to does affect who you are absolutely how, is it a good thing is it a bad thing how should we stop it should we stop listening to music or how do we not let those suggestions change our psyche well the reality is that you know unless you were to just crawl into a cave and never be a part of society, right? You, you can't help it to an extent. You're going to get suggested, suggested something based on the people you interact with, based on who you hang around with, where you go, what you do, how you spend your time. The question then becomes, you know, not, oh, can I avoid suggestions, but what suggestions am I exposing myself to? Right. It depends what type of music you're listening to. If you're if you're sad all the time and you're constantly listening to really depressing, sad music, I'm all alone. No one will ever love me. You're like, why? 
But if you're listening to music with more of a message or upbeat, or you're listening to something that gets you motivated or inspired, then you will feel that way, right? You know, music is something that's very emotional. It gets us to feel what the music is feeling. And so just in that example, the type of music that you listen to will change how you feel. People at the club who are bumping, having a good time, right? They're jamming. The club music's always upbeat. It's energetic. It gets people to feel good. No one's no one's playing sad jazz in a club music to get people dancing, right? You know, it's all about the atmosphere and the the experience that's being created. And so even beyond music, just in the world around you, right? You know, there's a classic sociological study that shows that we tend to be the average of the five people we spend the most time around just because of the subconscious suggestion of what they're into and what they like and what beliefs and values they have, they naturally rub rub off onto us, whether we realize it or not. So the people we spend our time around, what we do for work or our job, our passions, our interests, social media is a big one too, right? You guys mentioned you've seen my videos online too, but what type of people or accounts are you following online? Are you always on Twitter interacting with controversial opinions and negativity and, and the news and all of this, this scary fear-based stuff? Are you following people that make you feel inspired? Are you following accounts that make you laugh and make you feel good, right? What are you exposing yourself to? Because those are going to be the things that, whether you like it or not, are going to create some suggestions in your mind and in your psychology that will affect who you become. Yeah. Do you think social media is a bad thing because of that? It's not a bad thing. I mean, social media is just a tool. It's all about how you use it, right? Yeah. I like to say that, you know, a knife in the hands of a surgeon can save a life and in the hands of a criminal can take a life. You know, social media, if you use it poorly and you follow accounts that make you feel bad and make you feel depressed and make you feel scared and anxious and overwhelmed, it can be a bad thing. But if you intentionally use it to follow accounts that make you feel inspired, make you feel good, make you feel motivated, right? People that you care about and are connected with, it can be a great thing. Social media is not the problem. Social media is just a tool. It's all about how you use the tool. So how did you, how did you get into this? How did you start, Zach? So initially, before I did hypnosis, I did a little bit of magic just for fun when I was in college. So I just picked up sleight of hand and card tricks just as a hobby to learn because I always thought magicians were cool and impressive. And, you know, I couldn't even shuffle a deck of cards when I started. I had zero skills, zero baseline at all. But I thought, you know, that's cool. And so I just went to the local store, bought a deck of cards and just started watching YouTube videos on how to shuffle cards different ways and do simple card tricks and and was really having fun getting into it. And you know, after a couple months of doing it for fun, I started getting more serious into it and learning from more, you know, professional DVDs and books and resources from other magicians and really diving into it. And after about a year of doing it, I started experimenting with other types of entertainment, initially just to make myself a better magician. You know, I thought, oh, if I can, you know, learn comedy and do that, I just stand up a little bit, improv a little bit, it makes me a better performer and ultimately a better magician. And and then I eventually came across doing hypnosis. And I had seen hypnosis shows in college. That was the first time I was exposed to hypnosis. And the time I saw my first show, I never had any instinct that, oh, I want to do this or I'm going to do this. And in fact, if you were sitting next to me and the first time I saw, I saw a show and said, hey, when you graduate, this is going to be your job. You're going to be doing this. I would have said, what drug are you on? There's no way that I could ever do this. No way. But I remember the first time seeing the show thinking like, wow, this is amazing. This is so cool that somebody can get these people to do things like this. This is the closest thing to real magic there is. How does somebody do this? Mm -hmm. And so as I was learning magic, getting into other forms of entertainment, comedy, improv, stand up, thought, oh, why not go back to the hypnosis? Why not try to learn hypnosis? And I was sort of inspired by my own journey learning magic, where I thought, hey, if I can learn magic and get from zero experience, couldn't even shuffle a deck of cards to being able to do a bunch of tricks and do them really well, I thought, how hard could it be to learn hypnosis as well, too? And so I just picked up a DVD on hypnosis where I, you know, watched an hour of it a day. It was a five-hour DVD, so I got through an hour a day, and I said, by the end of the week, I will have hypnotized somebody. Now, I didn't even know if hypnosis was actually real or legitimate or if this DVD was any good or, or whatnot, but I just created that goal for myself. I said, I will have hypnotized somebody by the end of the week. So the end of the week comes along. I finished watching the DVD, and I said, all right, it's time to follow through on that second half of that goal. And so I went out, I was still a senior in college at the time. So I went out to the student union building on campus and was performing some magic tricks for some students and thought, oh, that's perfect. I'll do a few card tricks and then sort of work in some of the hypnosis stuff. So I do a card trick or two for a random person I would walk up to and said, hey, I've been learning hypnosis, can I hypnotize you? And a lot of people say no, because it's a really weird thing for a random person to walk up to you and ask, right? But the few people that said yes, I finally got someone that said, all right, sure, yeah, why not? You know, go ahead. 
So I follow through the instructions that I learned in the DVD, go through everything that I was taught, and I go through the whole process and nothing works. They didn't get hypnotized at all. Nothing worked at all. And I was like, all right, okay, maybe it was just this person or maybe I didn't do it right. That's right, we'll try again, try again. Next person, same thing, finally get someone to say yes, go through all the steps. I'm like, all right, the DVD said, I did this, I did this, I lead them through this process. And then nothing happened again and they still weren't hypnotized. And now I'm like, all right, is hypnosis even legitimate? Was this DVD even a good DVD? Like what's going on? Try again a third time, that still doesn't work, but I'm determined. I said, no, I'm going to do this. I said, I'm gonna hypnotize somebody by the end of the week. So I'm gonna keep doing this, you know, like Captain America, I could do this all day. I'm gonna keep going until it works. And finally, a few people later, I finally got it to work a little bit. I got somebody to be stuck to their chair and they forgot their name for a little bit. And, you know, the person experiencing it is like, wow, that's really cool. That's neat. And in my mind, internally, my internal dialogue's going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I did it, I did it, I did it. I hypnotized somebody. Wow, I can't believe it. And so it was kind of on cloud nine for the rest of the day of like, oh, I actually hypnotized somebody. Like this thing I always thought was super cool and super neat, I actually did that. And then from there, just continuing to practice and learn it a little bit more. And then I just gravitated more towards hypnosis because to me, you know, it really was like the closest thing to real magic where with magic and card tricks, you know, it's the art of illusion. It's the art of deception. And I have a lot of respect. I have a lot of friends who are great magicians and they're amazing at what they do. And yet magic, you know, is ultimately the art of that deception. It's, oh, the, the card is definitely shuffled. I have no idea where it is. I have nothing up my sleeve, right? You're creating this illusion of something that's not real to create this illusion of this trick or this effect. Whereas hypnosis, you know, it doesn't rely on that deception because it's all psychology, it's all happening in the mind and it's all based on how the mind really works. And so it's real to an extent, even though it's not real to the audience watching it, to the person experiencing it, it is very real. And so to me, I sort of gravitated more towards the hypnosis and sort of stopped doing magic and just focused fully on doing the hypnosis thing. And when I graduated, I got my certification through the National Guild of Hypnotists and then I started just hitting the ground running and started doing the street hypnosis videos that you watch to, you know, get some experience. And when you start off any career, there's always this weird dichotomy of, all right, I got to get hired and get paid to do a show, but how do I get hired unless I have experience? Well, how do I get experience unless I get hired? What do I do there? Right. And so to me, I was like, all right, well, I'll show that I know what I'm doing by doing the street hypnosis. Like I had done on college that my college, the first time I had ever tried it and filmed some videos, started up the YouTube channel and, Ultimately, that led into videos going viral on YouTube and starting TikTok and videos blowing up there as well. And I've been shows all around the country and for a bunch of celebrities. And it's been a been a fun ride. But it all started from just that one day in college, my senior year, where I said, I'm going to hypnotize somebody. I'm going to keep it going until I did. And I did. And almost five and a half years later, here I am. So it's been a fun ride so far. It's, yeah. it's funny because... You mentioned there, like I would, I would have placed sort of hypnosis under the same umbrella as, you know, magic and mentalism, but you are right. Like hypnosis is sort of, it's more psychology based. It's more real than, than magic or, you know, mentalism is because with magic and mentalism, they're using tricks, but with hypnosis, it is, as you said, real, more, mm. more real to the uh, person experiencing it. So the magic is a lot of times more technical, right? Yeah, the exactly. amount of like just dexterity people have in just their fingers and their hands to be able to shuffle certain ways. And like, it, it is a very hard skill to learn. It takes a lot of practice. And some part of the inclination was even just a little bit of laziness of like, well, I don't have to spend all of this time learning these slights and these moves and practicing these tricks. I could just go in and, you know, I liked, as one of the reasons I love doing improv too, is I love just kind of going with the flow and going into it. And, and even when I did magic, I always loved doing the, the quote self-working tricks where you didn't have to do a lot of the technique you could just let the deck do its own thing the way it was was set up and and i've just put myself into the performance and with hypnosis it's all just putting yourself into that performance and really being in that experience with the person you're hypnotizing and letting it all come out naturally from the other person and so yeah they're similar in the sense of you know how they're perceived on stage and the way that they're entertaining in that same way but when you break down like how it works and the ability to learn it like yeah they are a little bit more different than people think how much um, study of psychology did go into your career as a hypnotist? Quite a bit. Um, and I graduated from the University of New Hampshire with a bachelor's in communication. And so there was no like psychology background in my schooling, but I like the joke that I've essentially given myself a degree in psychology based on the hundreds of different books that I've read on psychology and philosophy and, you know, 
one of the things that fascinated me about hypnosis getting into it was the psychology behind not just the entertaining fun stuff, but also, you know, thinking about, oh, this is real psychology and this is actually how the mind's working. And you can hypnotize yourself to do fun, silly things. You can also hypnotize yourself to do more serious things and become more confident, be less anxious, less stressed, help people get over their fears or limitations, whatever it may be. And I've always been someone that's been really fascinating with the idea of life optimization and being able to you know, make the most of your life and prioritizing your own happiness and, you know, thinking, thinking about life in, in those terms. And so to me, hypnosis sort of married those two terms well, where I could have the entertaining fun side and the performance side that I loved, but also the more serious transformational, like deeper psychology side. And so it, it's been a nice thing where I've just read so many different books on psychology and been to events and seminars and things along those lines. It just interested me personally already, but also just happened to make me a better hypnotist too, because my career path was was along those lines. Um, just before I ask you another question, can you name some of the books that one should read to under have a better understanding of the psychology? Maybe your high five highlight books. Hmm. And it's funny. Sometimes people will ask me that question. They'll be like, "What's like the one book that I can read? Or like the one good book, right?" And I say all of them. There's no like one book that like I learned so much from this one particular book that stands out, but. But I know some of the ones I read early on were, were some of Tony Robbins books, which which were great, like his books, Awaken the Giant Within and Unlimited Power were two great um, books that I read early on, which were good. Um, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics, I think is the name of it, is another really good one as well that sort of breaks down a lot of that psychology. Um, but yeah, there are just so many great books that I've read and, and it's really been accumulation. I get to the point where I've read so many books that someone will ask me like, oh, that's really insightful. That's really cool. Where did you learn it? I couldn't tell you. I don't remember which book it came from. It's just all, they all sort of blend together because you read so much, but, um, but yeah, that's a good place to start is, is, you know, some of those Tony Robbins books. And he's a speaker that I've looked up to for a long time and have, have learned a lot from personally, and even had the cool opportunity to do a show for him two years ago, which was such a cool full circle moment of, you know, this is someone that I learned a lot from, and it was an inspiration for me getting started. And now I'm performing for him at one of his events. And it was, it was definitely a highlight for me for sure. So how can one hypnotize themselves into um, optimizing their life in a better way? I think it all comes down to understanding that your thoughts are already hypnotizing you. You know, when you think about going through your day to day, you think about just the stream of consciousness that's going through your mind, right? Like, what are those things telling you? Oh, you're, you're great. You're doing great today. Like, oh, your life sucks. Oh, I have all these problems. Like nobody likes you or, oh yeah, I can achieve all these great things. Like whatever that dialogue is tends to affect how you feel, right? What you think ultimately determines what you feel. And then what you feel ultimately determines what you do and what you do ultimately determines who you become. And it all starts with just your thoughts and these ideas that are going through your mind. The thing about thoughts though, is that most people assume that because we are the ones that are thinking the thoughts that those thoughts must originate from us. And they are our own thoughts because I think my thoughts, that means they are the source. I'm the source of those thoughts. Oh, shoot. I'm thinking a lot of negative, bad thoughts. Uh oh, why am I thinking all these thoughts? How do I stop thinking these thoughts? The problem is your thoughts don't come from you. Like we don't know enough about the neuroscience behind consciousness and why we think and where our thoughts come from to be able to answer that question yet. But we do know that we're not the source of our thoughts. We're simply just the observer of the thoughts. Like we're the vessel where our, our thoughts flow through, but we're not necessarily responsible for which thoughts show up. But what we are responsible for is what to do with those thoughts when they do show up. If a thought pops into our mind, we always have the choice of whether or not we believe it. If a yeah. thought pops into our mind that says, hey, you know, you're no good, nobody likes you, you can never achieve anything, you're like, oh no, I guess it must be true because I believe that thought and I'm never gonna do anything. And if a thought pops into your head that says, hey, you are a really good looking purple lion. Like, no, okay, that's a random weird thought. Where'd that thought come from? Anyway, next thought, move along, right? Now that thought's just as equally untrue, but for some reason we attach ourselves to one thought versus the other. And it all just comes down to what we believe. And I always like to say that you can either let your thoughts hypnotize you, or you can be the ones to hypnotize your thoughts. You can be the one to take back that power, take back that control and say, I don't choose which thoughts show up into my mind, but I do choose which ones I believe. I do choose which ones I focus on. I do choose which ones I dwell on. And I do choose which ones allow themselves to hypnotize me into the person I become for better or for worse. 
Do you get those thoughts, Zach? Do you get those thoughts that sometimes, well, the negative thoughts and how does one, if having those negative thoughts, silence that and bring up like, okay, no, that's just bullshit. I need to focus on what's good. How does one bring that up? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I still get those thoughts all the time. And I think there's, there's no escaping from them sometimes, but I think it, it comes from a separation from those thoughts again, from, you know, not feeling guilty that like, Oh no, like I thought a bad thought and that means I'm a bad person and I'm the one that thought it. And I need to feel guilty because that thought came across my mind. It's more just having that dissonance, having that separation and saying like, all right, I'm not the one who thought the thought. I'm just the one who observed the thought and the thought is just there in my mind and I can choose what I want to do with that thought. And there are going to be times where I'm in a bad mood and I have a lot of bad thoughts. There are times where I'm in a great mood and I have a lot of good thoughts, right? And sometimes that has nothing even to do with the thought. Sometimes that's just, oh, maybe I haven't eaten in a while and I need to get something in, in my system, right? Maybe I'm tired and I need sleep, right? And so I can not blame myself for the bad thoughts when they do show up, but it is just having this awareness of like, all right, well, it's just a thought. It's just an idea. It's just a belief. And I get to choose what to do with that belief. I get to choose whether to believe it or not in the first place. And I know that it's something that's a lot easier said than done, right? It's not something that just clicked for me and suddenly I was able to do it perfectly. So it does take time. And, but it is one of those things where you get yourself into that habit of just acknowledging and saying, all right, it's just a thought. So mm -hmm. to people, you know, that are listening to this and they're like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. That seems really overwhelming. And that seems really hard. And you make it sound so easy, Zach. You know, I say, just, just focus on the idea that it's just a thought. Just remove the severity from it. Remove the significance from it. It's only a thought. You know, an analogy that I often like to use is that, you know, thoughts are like waves in the ocean and you can't stop the waves from coming, but you can choose which waves you want to surf. You can't stop the thoughts from flowing and showing up into your mind, but you can choose which ones you focus on, dwell on, believe, and you choose which ones will affect you. But that starts from just creating this detachment from those thoughts and saying these thoughts aren't as important as I have let them be in the past. They're not as significant as I let them be in the past. They are just thoughts. And whichever one I believe will determine who I become. It's really hard to uh, find the discipline, I suppose, to, um, to get yourself in that state of mind. But I suppose if you look at it, I mean, people find the discipline to go to the gym every day. So why can't we do it with <laughs> with that and we talk so much about physical health and eating right and going to the exactly, gym exactly yeah our mental health is just as important if not more important because if if mentally you're a wreck it doesn't matter how it how good physically in shape you are right you know so mental health is just as important yeah. um, you know you got to stay in physical shape but you got to stay in mental shape too and so you know, creating these these mental exercises and brain exercises to keep your mind sharp and not let your mind hypnotize you for the worse is is very important what patterns have you noticed in people while you hypnotize them to, or have you helped people to optimize their life uh, via hypnosis? Sure. There's one thing that I like to do at a lot of my shows. So when I do shows, a lot of times it's for, for colleges, for orientation, back to school type events. And I do shows for schools all around the country. So there's a lot of traveling and that almost every show that I do, I'll have this routine where in the middle of doing you know, the fun thing, I'll do it right after I do the routine where I hypnotize them to think that I'm their favorite celebrity and they're all freaking out. Oh my gosh, you're Beyonce, you're Justin Bieber, you're Taylor Swift or whoever they think that I am. And then the next routine I'll do after that is I'll ask the people I have up on stage hypnotized, I'll say, how many of you, you know, really like public speaking or speaking in front of a crowd or performing? And then I'll say, how many of you don't like public speaking? How many of you like are terrified to speak in front of people? And I'll try to look for the person that's so like scared that don't even want to raise their hand to admit that they don't like it. They're like, don't look at me. Don't pay attention. Like I could never do it. And so I'll have them stand up and I'll say, if I were to hand you the microphone and ask you just to say something quickly in front of this wonderful crowd, like how, how do you think you would do? Like, oh no, please. I couldn't like, no way. Like I, I could never. I say, I just want you to do your best. I just put the mic in their hand and I say, take it away. I step back and let them sort of sit in that uncomfortable moment of like, all right, uh, hi, my name is so-and-so, I don't know what to say. And, and they'll sort of stumble through a few words and, and I'll say, all right, well, we're going to try this again. This time I'm going to hypnotize you. And I put them back into the state of hypnosis and I deliver this suggestion, this belief, this idea into their subconscious that says, you are now the world's most confident public speaker. You love public speaking. You are amazing at it. You've done this for years. You love it. You're the best at it. You're the world's best public speaker. Have them come out of the hypnosis 
and say, well, how do you feel about speaking now? And they're like, oh, I love it. Like, can I talk to them? And I give them the mic and they say, hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm so-and-so, like, how's everyone doing? And, and you see this transformation literally within 30 seconds to a minute of just a few moments ago, they were stumbling over their own words and didn't even want to take the mic and say anything. And now they're a performer and are speaking to the crowd like they've done this for years. And it all just came from the belief that changed in their mind. Previously, they had the belief of, uh, public speaking is the worst. I could never. What are the thoughts that you could imagine were going through their mind? People are going to judge me. No one's going to like what I have to say. I have nothing to say. I am not. Uh, don't have anything to say of value. I'm not good enough to be up here. People are going to judge me. They're going to laugh at me. Like I should be anxious. I should be scared. All of these negative thoughts running through our mind. But when I put them into this hypnotized state and delivered a different belief, it took over those old thoughts. And instead, you could imagine the new thoughts that were going through this mind. Their mind. I love this. This is great. I'm the best at this. doesn't matter what people think because I know that what I have to say is good. This is fun. This is awesome. This is exciting. It's the same experience, the same person, but it all just changed because of the internal dialogue, the thoughts, the beliefs that they were having. And I just sort of was the assistant in the way of just helping push them in the right direction of saying, hey, change the belief, change the internal dialogue. And so I, after that experience is over, I tell the people in the audience, I say, this wasn't me. I didn't have a superpower that just snapped my fingers and made them into a completely different person. It's the same person. It's just they unlocked the power that was inside of them to experience a different reality based on a different belief system. And so I've worked with people, I've worked with people to be able to hypnotize them to feel more confident, to overcome their anxiety, overcome their fears, their limitations, whatever's holding them back, because ultimately it all just comes back to belief. It's what people are believing about themselves. And they're creating this mental justification for better or for worse based on what's in their mind. So I help people get to this state. Sometimes it's through hypnosis and sometimes it's through more just conversation, helping them to understand their own psychology. Because again, the different types of people, some people are more easily hypnotized because they're letting themselves get into it. But for the type A, more analytical person who's like, I don't know, I'm more resistant to hypnosis. Then I use a more intellectual approach, kind of like I'm doing now, explaining like, hey, this is how it works, you know, a to B, and this is what goes on in your mind, and this is the process of what's happening, and make them understand it more, right? So ultimately, whether I use the direct hypnosis in the trance, like I do on stage or in my videos, or whether it's through a more conversational type hypnosis, helping people to understand that it's all just the beliefs. Hypnosis is just experiencing what you believe for better or for worse, and it can be used for fun on stage, or it can be used for any sort of level of, of transformative things, which has been, been really cool that I've gotten to do both. Zach, is that... How is the permanence of that effect? So taking of uh, taking the example of what you just said there, someone who was uh, had a stage fright and now they're they've improved on that. And let's take another example of people who have PTSD, who have lots of trauma, um, you know, veterans who've been into wars. Um, can they benefit from this? And how does the permanence of this effect look like? Does it stay permanently or does it wear off? I would imagine yeah. you have to do sessions, sessions. I may or may be wrong as well. It, it, it can go both ways, right? Some people can get so into that new belief that all it takes is one session, one moment, and suddenly they're a different person forever. And I've seen that happen. And sometimes people will have that experience and they'll be good in that moment. And then they'll sort of shake that off and be like, well, that wasn't just me. That was just a hypnosis. It, it was just you, right? It all depends on how people internalize that experience. It's sort of like if you've had a dream and you're like, wow, that was a crazy dream. Like that was weird. And sometimes someone can have the same dream and like, wow, that dream actually made me think differently. Now I'm going to do something in my life that, you know, it's different because of how that dream made me feel or think. And so it all depends on how people rationalize that experience. You know, some people will go in and say, that was just a hypnotist. He did everything. It was nothing that I did on my own that I could do. And I've had plenty of people who go in and say, wow, I never thought that was possible for me, but you showed me that it was. And now I feel comfortable and confident that I can go and do that again because you showed me I could do it the first time. And that's how we create any new habit, habit in our life is it all starts from either a belief or an experience or an action that we take. We do something that normally would be uncomfortable when we do it, and we suddenly feel a little more comfortable and we have a little bit of a stronger belief that it's possible. So we do it again and we do it again. That makes the belief stronger. Exactly. It just gets more and more reinforced. And when you think about something like PTSD, you know, what's happening is when somebody is in that situation or they go through a traumatic situation, that memory actually gets trapped in a specific part of their brain called the amygdala, which is responsible for processing the experiences that we have. And so that memory gets 
trapped in the amygdala. So anytime we're in a similar experience, we'll take like a veteran, for example, who is in a wartime situation and they're at a birthday party and they hear a balloon pop and it sounds like, you know, a gun shell exploding. Their mind is replaying that old memory to keep them safe because, oh, you weren't safe in the situation. So any situation that's similar, we're going to replay the memory so that you don't get hurt and you don't go through that same trauma again. Or I've had experiences that help people who you know, go through like a car accident. And if you've gone, gotten an accident and anytime you drive that spot, you got an accident, you're, you're, you start, you know, hyperventilating, you start getting anxious, even though there's nothing to worry about, your brain is replaying that old memory. But eventually, like you have the choice to either never drive on that down that road again, because it's too traumatic and too scary. But what happens for most people is like, well, that's the only way that I can go to get home or get to work. So they drive down that road and it's scary the first time and they do it a second time. It's a little bit less scary. And the repeated exposure is retraining their brain to say, hey, this is actually okay. That was actually just a one-time instance. You're okay to continue to do this. And so when you get somebody into that state where you give them that suggestion, it's that first initial push into something that might've been too uncomfortable for them to do on their own. And then you show them that, hey, from now on, this is up to you to either continue down that path that I've sort of led you on, or if you're too scared, you can turn back around and run the other way back down the path that wasn't working for you. But ultimately, like, it's up to that person. You know, so at the end of the day, like, the hypnosis can be very, very helpful, but it still comes down to that person and, and their mentality and, and how much they're committed to their own change and their own growth to make it permanent. Yeah, and it's di the discipline that yeah. it takes to do that as well. Yeah. Zach, what about altered states of mind? So some, so as you said, and I've heard you say that hypnosis is sort of like guided meditation to an trans state as you said what about psychedelics that also take you to that altered state of uh, of, of thoughts um what if someone was on psychedelics because i i know that there are lots of research going around around the world on psychedelics how does that work with hypnosis yeah psychedelics isn't something that i have too much experience with i've never done any of them myself or had you know had that experience personally um so i i sort of a lot of just the anticipate they're not the anticipation the the guessing or just the theories that i would have about about how it would affect and but i think it's, it's a similar way of just creating this altered state like you said that you're getting people outside of their norm right it's outside of just the everyday consciousness where you're thinking a lot and you're overanalyzing and you're you're in your mind psychedelics sort of just allow yourself to sort of slow down that state and open yourself up to new possibilities and new experiences and again you have different people who go on psychedelics and they'll be like, oh, that was cool, but that was just like a one-time thing and, and that was strange. And you'll hear stories from people who say, I went on psychedelics once and I had this crazy trip that stuck with me forever and I'm a completely different person because of it, right? It's the same thing where you have somebody in a hypnotized state. They can have that experience and they can either internalize it or rationalize it as, this was kind of a cool thing, but it was just a one-time whatever, or, wow, no, this actually changes the way I think about everything and my life is completely different because of this but it's all just how the person internalizes and rationalizes that experience to them, whether it's hypnosis, psychedelics, whatever it might be. Well, Zach, what about people around you? Have you seen any other hypnotists around you blown your mind up? Like, what is this guy doing? I've never seen something like that. Have you seen or experienced or have crazy stories for us? Um, I think at this point, I've done so much that there's not much that surprises me at this point, because, you know, I've, I've done it all at this point. When I was learning and first starting out, you know, for sure, there were so many things of thinking like, wow, there are hypnotists who were able to make people do that, or, or they had this experience, or I remember one of the first, you know, experiences I had seeing somebody do something that seemed crazy with hypnosis was watching a friend of mine at this point now, Chris Jones, who hypnotized Howie Mandel on America's Got Talent to shake his hand. And if, if anybody knows about Howie Mandel, he's a huge germaphobe and always fist bumps people because he can't shake hands. And Chris Jones had him hypnotized to think that he was wearing an invisible glove. So he shook his hand comfortably and confidently as if you know, he was wearing a glove and everyone was freaking out like, oh my gosh, Howie's never done that. And so to me, that was an experience that early on, I thought, wow, that's so cool. Like, there's no way this would have happened if hypnosis wasn't actually in play or something's going on that normally isn't. Um, but yeah, at this point, no, I've done so many fun things with it. it. You know, I had a video I did a couple months ago with a creator where I hypnotized one of his friends who was terrified of, of snakes and reptiles. And so we brought him into a reptile place and we had him hold a giant, like 10 foot python that was wrapped all around him. And, 
and got him, of course, before he held it, you know, before the hypnosis, he's like, no way, I'm not even going near that. Like, I can't had him hypnotized to say, oh, now your fear of snakes is gone. You love snakes and you're fine holding them. We got him to the point where he was holding it and hugging it. He even like kissed it on the top of the forehead. And so he was had a completely different experience from what you would have expected. But but yeah, I've done all sorts of, of really fun things with hypnosis. It's been neat. Zach, how does the transition look like from that state to a trans state and from trans state to back? Well, for someone who doesn't understand this, do, can people get stuck there? No, and I think there, <laughs> there are certain movies in, in culture that make it seem like that's the case, right? There's this uh, older movie in the late 90s called The Office Space, where this guy sees a hypnotist and the hypnotist has a heart attack and dies in the middle of the session. And this guy thinks he's stuck in this hypnotized state. And he's like, oh, I guess I'm just permanently hypnotized. And funny enough, it, it makes his life better. Like that's a big part of the plot where he sees this hypnotist and he's a different person because of it. But it wasn't the hypnosis, right? You're not stuck in this state. He just created this belief in his mind of, I guess I'm this new person now. And he sort of hypnotized himself in a way to have this new reality. But no, like hypnosis isn't like, the sunken place in get out or like, you know, a superpower that controls your mind. So there's no way of getting stuck in it. You know, if, if I were to do a show and have people deep into a trance and in the middle of the show, the fire alarm goes off, their mind would still register it and hear it. And they would need to snap out of that state and they would get up and do what they have to do. And they'd come out of the hypnosis in the same way that if you're deep asleep in a, in a deep dream and you hear your a fire alarm go off, or even like your alarm that you're used to pulling you out of this, your brain is still listening to the point where it's like, all right, well, I need to come out of this altered state and snap back into a more conscious state so that I can keep myself safe. So nobody is ever stuck in this state. Um, but yeah, ultimately it comes down to people just allowing themselves to be in this relaxed state. And sometimes I even have people who will come out of it early because they get distracted or they don't think it's working or they're overthinking it, right? And so they they naturally will come out of the hypnotized state a little bit early because they're thinking that it's not working and they're overthinking or whatever it may be. And so people are ultimately having their own experience and I'm there to help guide people to have the experience they want, but you know, whether people stay in it long-term or whatever is up to them. I did have this funny story that happened once where I had a show I was doing for a high school a couple of years back and I did an induction for the whole audience at once where I had the whole crowd hypnotized. I said, yeah, everybody, if you want to get hypnotized, follow along. If you don't just tune out my voice and nothing will happen. So I hypnotize the whole crowd and, you know, bring a couple students up on stage. I do the show. And after the show, I'm chatting with some students and some parents. And, and this group of parents comes over and says, hey, this mom doesn't know her name. She was going along with the hypnosis. And during the entire show, she's not been able to bring her name back. Like she still doesn't know her name. And so I, of course, you know, was able to, oh, you forget now, but now you remember. And she's like, oh, yeah. And she said her name and her friends were like, what the, how did, how did you just say that? And we're freaked out by it. And, but you, you see that experience and you're like, well, if I had never come up to her, would she have been without an identity for the rest of her life? Like what would have happened? Would she have been stuck in this state? Like, no, ultimately her mind would have realized that, okay, maybe while you were in that room in that audience, your mind wanted to continue to go along with the experience, but back home and, and your day to day, it makes more sense to not be in that experience. It makes sense to have your name or, or enough people would tell her her name that their, her mind would be like, oh wait, that is my name. Yeah, yeah, no, and I do know it. And, and so no one, no one would ever get stuck into that state. That's all just the fictional portrayal of this mind control movie manipulation type thing. But, but yeah, it really is just a natural psychological state that all comes down to how the person experiences it on their own. Zach, you just touched on deep hypnosis. And can you explain us how deep does uh, hypnosis go? And if it goes deep, how does affirmations work? Because they might be at the surface level. Sure. And I think... The idea of hypnotic depth is ultimately like just a theory because again we don't know you know how the hypnosis is truly working because if you think about it in terms of deep hypnosis you're like well what does that mean to be deep hypnosis does it mean you're slouched more does that mean you're uh, zoned more does that mean you're more relaxed does that mean you're more focused like what does it mean to be deeper hypnotized like we don't really know we just kind of use that term we just kind of throw it around for now right and generally we we talk about it in terms of the more suggestions they're able to experience the quote deeper they're going right but ultimately i think it just comes down to they're just in a state of increased focus and concentration where they are with fewer limitations right you would you could maybe use the example that the fewer limitations that the person has in their mind the deeper they are into this state where you know from the beginning of the show when we were talking about 
you know, Dan saying, oh, I could do A and B. I could have forget a number or forget my name, but I couldn't do C and D. I couldn't think you're a celebrity or you're invisible or whatever. You have a certain level of limitations where an average hypnotist would say, oh, well, you can only go so deep medium depth and you couldn't go to the deepest depth. But it's all just limitations you're creating where somebody goes in and says, whatever this guy says, it, I know it's going to be real because I'm in this state where I'm focused and I'm ready and it's going to happen. And then they're the deepest and they experience everything, right? It's just the set of limitations that they have in their own mind that either create a positive or negative effect on how they experience the reality. But, but yeah, when they're in that state, to answer your question about affirmations of like, well, how do we get those affirmations to work? Do we need to be a certain level of, of depth or focus or concentration to have them work? Ultimately, it just comes down to the believability of the affirmations. I actually just did a TED talk on this a couple a couple months ago. And so for people that are listening that want to learn more, they can look that up. Just look up Zach Pinson's TED talk on YouTube. Um, but I talked about the idea of, of affirmations coming down to just how much you believe them. Because so many people do affirmations wrong where they'll look into the mirror or they'll pull up a notes app on their phone and say, all right, well, I can do anything and I'm the best and I am worthy of love. And yeah, cool. All right, whatever. Right. They'll just say it. Words are just words. You can say whatever you want. I'm a pink elephant. Uh, yeah, you know, aliens are real. Uh, yeah, the earth is flat. Like you say whatever you want, right? But that doesn't make it true just because you say it. But, you know, a lot of times the, the literature around affirmations is you just say it to believe it. You affirm it to make it true. But it's not about what you say. It's about what you believe. So if you want to affirm something to be true in your life, you have to say it as if it is true. Even if you have to pretend initially if you want to create this affirmation that, all right, I'm worthy of love. And you go in and you're like, all right, I'm worthy of love. Yeah, what? I'm worthy of love. Yeah, okay, whatever. You're, you're just telling yourself you're not, even though the words are unworthy of love, right? You're actually not creating a real affirmation at all. But even if you have to just pretend like, all right, for just a moment, if I were to pretend I'm somebody that really was worthy of love, how would that person say that I am worthy of love? You would really internalize and say, no, I know no matter what happens, I know that I'm worthy of love and, and other people can't take that from me. And even if I fail or even if I mess up, like I know that I am worthy of love regardless of what other people do. And you'd really internalize it and you'd believe it. And that's a real affirmation is when you believe it. You can say whatever you want, but it means nothing if you don't believe it. So for affirmations to truly work, you have to internalize it. And that's why hypnosis helps with affirmations because you get people into a state where they will believe what you tell them. And so if you want to hypnotize yourself, you don't need a hypnotist or to go to a session or go into deep trance. You just have to like Believe put on it. your acting shoes, if you will, right? Pretend you're a world-class actor. Like, all right, I'm gonna pretend I'm Oscar worthy performance. Like I'm someone that's worthy of love. How would this person act? How would they speak? How would they talk? How would they feel? How would they carry themselves and deliver my affirmations as that person? And you will notice a massive difference in how much not only you feel in saying it, but how much they actually work and they actually will help you to feel and become that person through your life so it all just comes it's all about how you much you believe it i've realized that it's true that believe you have to believe in what you're saying but being aware that your thoughts actually are positive and negative is very 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 crucial i i would say it's much crucial than believing it because if you're not aware that your thoughts are negative and you just get trapped in that a rabbit hole of negative thoughts and negative patterns then you it's hard for you to uh, get out of there and what you just said about being loved i think in a perfect world i get it but in i've seen individuals who've who've had a bad share of luck who you know be it orphans and being you know rejected by people not having friends being lonely being isolated that's a very very bad um you know hand that you get get dealt by life Can well let me let me ask you this and this is sort of a trick question so don't be don't feel bad but what does it mean for a, a thought to actually be positive or negative so, sorry say that again so what does it mean for a thought to actually be a positive or a negative thought um when the next thing i think of is not net benefit to me is negative that's a very weird answer but i would yeah. say that's sort of a negative like okay um you know i'm not gonna go to work tomorrow because i hate everyone at the office i hate my job i hate my life i'm not gonna get up and go to work that's not yeah. a positive to me so that's a negative thought yeah 
And ultimately it comes down to like, that's a great answer, honestly. And ultimately it comes down to not necessarily the source of the thought or the substance of the thought, but it's the meaning we attach to the thought. Cause any thought could be a positive or a negative thought, depending on what it means, right? If, if you have like, if I ask you, oh, how, how, how was today? What is today? Is it a good day or a bad day? Like, well, it's just a day. It could be a positive thought or a negative thought, depending on how you answer the question. Like I could ask you to give me five reasons why it's a great day and you could probably give them to me. And I could ask you to give me five reasons why it's probably not going to be a good day or what are the problems that you have to solve today? And you could answer those and all, it's not going to be as good of a day. It's just a day. The thought itself is neutral, but the meaning that we attach to it is what makes it positive or negative. So the example you brought up of, there are definitely so many people that have been through pain and trauma and things that to most people, they would assume, all right, that's negative. That's bad. That's not good. And, and I am this way because of it. And I'm bad because of this thing that happened to me, but it's just an event. It's just a thing that happened to you. What does that thing mean? Does that thing mean that because this happened to you, you are unlovable, you aren't enough, you're never going to achieve anything? Or does this thing mean that because you went through this experience, no matter how bad or traumatic it was, you are now stronger than you were because you faced that? You've learned lessons that nobody else has had to learn because you went through that. You are who you are because you went through that. And that in and of itself is a very positive thing. Even if the experience was bad, you can still internalize the thought as ultimately a positive thought. You can take anything that's negative and make it positive. There are always reasons to feel good and there are always reasons to feel bad. It just depends on which of those reasons you choose to believe. Yeah, wow. But I think sometimes um, you need people around you just to, you know, just to give you like a, a nudge. Just to give you the push, right? It's easy to get trapped in our own belief system and you know, we can go down that own spiral of, again, oh, because I thought it and because it's here, it must be true. But it helps to have people remind us of, nope, it's just a thought. It's not true. It's just a belief. We need people around us to be like, nope, you are enough. You are loved. You are great just the way you are and you don't need to be someone else right you know life is too short to live somebody else's life and we get too trapped up in expectations of who we think the world wants us to be or people on social media and wanting to fit in and be like them but but yeah we need people around us to remind us of what really is true is that you know each and every person alive both of you guys me everyone who's listening to this everybody is a unique special individual person likes of which have never ever existed in the history of humankind in the billions of years that humanity has been around or the earth has been around and never ever will exist again and the odds of you simply existing in the first place are billion to one and yet here you are complaining that your life is not like somebody else who's also one in a billion like you are truly like one in a billion and you are the person you are meant to be you're meant to walk your path and not somebody else's and it's easy to get distracted by that by our thoughts and social media and things around us but but yeah, the more we can attach ourselves to the beliefs that make us feel better, the better our life will be. And I think we need people such as yourself out there putting the good word and just, you know, making people self-aware, like, okay, this is how you can improve and optimize your life. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I think I think you sort of really need to learn to sort of slow down in life because you're constantly sort of caught up with well, how come I don't have the fast car? How come I, how come I don't have the good paying job? But you are definitely, as you said, you're walking, you're walking your own unique path. Everyone is. So just, I guess, appreciate what you've got because it will work out for you, but it, you know, <laughs> it, yeah. you, you don't want to chase someone else's life, I suppose. Yeah. Zach, can, can have you tried hypnosis uh hypnotizing people through zoom can you try something with us i'd i'd be very curious to try something man if you can do it please sure we could do a a, a quick little experience and for the people listening to this you know i have a bunch of videos on my youtube channel and tiktok and social media that can hypnotize you by watching the video so we'll do something sort of quick on the podcast now and if if you guys are the people listening want to try something more a little bit more in depth just look up my name, Zach Pinson's on YouTube, and you'll see a whole playlist of hypnosis through the screen videos where I have ones for fun hypnosis, for confidence, for anxiety, for stress, to help you sleep better at night, all sorts of different things. And so, but the one thing that I'll have you guys try, and the one caveat I'll throw to people listening is, please don't do this if you're doing something that requires your full attention. If you're listening while driving or you're cooking or you're, you know, watching your kid, right? You know, the process will have you close your eyes for like 60 seconds. So if you're driving, please don't close your eyes, right? You know, do, do make sure that you can actually commit to doing this experience if you are listening. Otherwise, 
what I'll have you guys do and anyone who's listening that wants to try along is simply just close your eyes and just focus on this one simple idea. As, I, as you close your eyes, I'm going to give you one idea to focus on, and that idea is to allow yourself to begin to relax as you focus on the sound of my voice, but specifically to allow yourself to relax in your eyelids. I want you to allow the space all around your eyes to relax as much as possible. Let them relax fully and completely. Imagine your eyelids suddenly become super heavy. Let those, let those eyelids become super heavy. They feel stuck. And let those eyelids become so heavy and so stuck and so tired and so relaxed and heavy and stuck and tired and relaxed that you've allowed those eyelids to get to the point where you feel like you could not open them. That's how heavy, that's how tired, that's how stuck those eyelids are. And when you've allowed them to get to that point, go ahead and test this out and notice your eyelids become so heavy and stuck, your eyes won't open. The more you try to open your eyes, the more you notice they are so stuck, they don't want to open. Until I count it from one to three, when I reach to number three, they'll be able to pop open easily. One, two, and three, just like that, you can open your eyes easily. Hey, that's I wish you had that today, yeah. <laughs> um, before we um, wrap things up, you're also um, an impressionist as well. Or well, you do voices. I do voices. I've been diving into the world of voice acting. It's been very fun. <laughs> um what how did you um get into that so i over the over the pandemic when we were all sort of in lockdown and stuck in our own homes and you know for me as a performer and i do a lot of shows on stages and you know collaborating with other other people to hypnotize i couldn't go hypnotize people in person so i had a lot of free time on my hands just stuck at home like everyone else and and so for me over that time i decided to pick up another hobby in the same way that i did when i was starting out with doing magic and starting it from scratch because I thought it was cool. Over the pandemic, I decided I was going to teach myself how to sing and, and learn how to sing. And I had no background. I had never taken so much as like a music class. I had no singing training at all. I would do karaoke sometimes, but would be terrible at it. But you know, it's, karaoke is just about the confidence of committing to the performance, even if you sound terrible, right? But to me, I thought, you know, I want to build this skill of actually becoming good at singing and becoming a better singer. So I started singing for about an hour a day. I found about 30 minutes of vocal warmups from a, a voice coach and would sing six or seven karaoke tracks on YouTube for fun. So it ended up being about an hour a day. So I started doing this every day for a couple of weeks and just continued it into a couple of months over the pandemic and thought, oh, I'm already keeping it going. You know, I might as well keep it going through the end of the year and hit the end of the year and thought, well, I might as well make this a full year of singing for an hour a day every single day. And, and from there, just continued to keep it going after that and started working with a a voice instructor doing singing lessons once a week on top of that and singing for an hour a day every single day even days that i had shows there were some days i had to wake up at 5 a.m and travel all day for a show and and do the show at seven come back to my hotel and do my hour of singing from 10 to 11 p.m before i went to sleep into the whole thing the next day for another show right i would always find a way to squeeze the hour in and ended up singing for a thousand days in a row so over three years of doing it every almost three years every single day an hour a day never missed a day and built the skill of being able to sing well now from zero singing experience. I couldn't even match pitch or hit notes the right way that they needed to be hit, but, but now I'm able to sing great. And over the course of doing that, I also started getting into doing voice impressions for fun, just messing around and I was just mimicking cartoon voices. And because my voice was getting stronger and healthier and I was growing my range and you know, it was another thing that I've always thought was cool. I admired people who could do impressions of different characters and voices and I just started learning that on my own. And so sort of going into this year, I've started taking it a little bit more seriously into the voice acting side of it because there's impressions and there's voices and there's voice acting, which is acting and performing and really bringing out a character and emotions through your voice. And so I've been taking classes and doing some small roles here and there, voicing some characters. And you know, maybe it's kind of a, a long-term goal one day to eventually voice a big character in a Disney or DreamWorks or Pixar type movie like that would, that would be the dream so still doing the hypnosis stuff as well but I've sort of picked that up on the side as well too to start diving into the world of voice acting so it's started really, off just as a really fun hobby yeah. yeah. is, is great who's your favorite uh <laughs> cartoon to do it who's your favorite to do it well I've always been a fan of Tigger from Winnie the Pooh he loves belting around <laughs> he's a very fun one that's great. Looney tunes are always great too, right? Yeah, you got Bugs Bunny, of course. What's up, Doc? Well, and there's Daffy Duck as well. I'll be Porky Pig. That's all, folks. And Yosemite Sam's always annoyed. And Marvin the Martian comes all the way from the planet Mars. 
and Elba fuds always after those wascoey wabbits. Uh, and Sylvester the cat is trying to get after that Tweety Bird. And that Tweety Bird's always trying to get away from that bad old putty tap. I say, boy, I say, Foghorn Leghorn's always a fun one as well, too. And of course, there's always that creepy skunk, Pepe Le Pew. Beep, beep. <laughs> I think I think that deserves a clap. It's a, a fun, oh, uh, fun, uh, Gauntlet so of Looney Tunes characters for you. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. What What does the future hold for you now? Well, hopefully more voice acting and hopefully voice in a big uh, character someday. That would be a lot of fun. Um, probably more hypnosis things. I'm still working on some other other sort of projects on the side right now that I can't say too much about just yet. But hopefully I can get more into doing some bigger things in the hypnosis world. And I'd love to get more into doing speaking as well, too. So I had my first TED Talk a couple of uh, months ago earlier this year and spoke at another big event last year as well, too, sort of talking about a lot of the principles that we went into in the podcast here. And so it's sort of a weird combination right now of hypnosis and speaking and voice acting. And I still create a lot of content and do a lot on social media, too. And so I'm kind of spinning a lot of plates right now. And eventually some of those plates will fall off and I'll focus more on one of those things down the future. but who knows what it'll be at this point. That's sort of the fun of the ride and I'm figuring it out as I go. Be very keen and... to see what you do next because you are quite good at what you do. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate you being here and um, unless you have awesome. any more questions. It was yeah. awesome having a chat with Thank you. Thank you for having me on. This was super fun. Um, has this been your first uh, international podcast? Or It has. First, oh, first Australian podcast. So. We're gonna make. We're gonna try to spread this out in Australia, and uh, you're gonna have lots of requests from fans. Try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to take the twenty-hour flight across the world to come do a show or speak out there. That'll be fun. But uh, if you're here, it'll be it'll be a it'll be a great honor to uh, just go out with you. Sometimes, man. If you're here, please. Uh, uh, absolutely, we'll let you guys know for sure. We will definitely catch up. But uh, just before you leave, can you leave us with a tip to improve better on sleep? Because I've been I've been struggling, man. I don't know why. This is what I do. At night, I would break my life down into 20 or 30 different things, and I would be playing those scenarios simultaneously. Overthinker. What can I do? How can I improve on that? Yeah, that's the fastest way to not fall asleep, right? Is to get your mind yeah. to think about yeah. different things at once, right? <laughs> so there is a two-part technique that I think helps people to fall asleep quickly. And this is actually a technique that is used in the military and with the Navy SEALs and people that you know are in a position where they need to fall asleep and not in a bed in an uncomfortable in the barracks, right? An uncomfortable position, but they still need sleep to be able to have the strength to fight the next day. So there's a technique that's used in the military and that's sort of hypnosis based without them even realizing it is it's a two-part technique. The first part is physical relaxation. And so you allow yourself to get as physically relaxed as you can, right? Because you don't fall asleep randomly when you're just standing up and moving around. Your body physically is is rested and relaxed. So you as you're laying in bed or sitting where you want to fall asleep, you just imagine sort of a invisible scan just going over your body from the top of your head past your face your eyes your nose your mouth just down your whole body and imagine it almost like a freeze ray like as it passes that part of your body that part just freezes and relaxes and shuts down and you let your entire body you can let yourself take a full like 30 seconds to a minute doing this just letting your whole body just relax from the top of your head down the tip of your toes and then once you get through your whole body getting relaxed that's when you get into the second part of it which is the mental relaxation and that's the part you were alluding to, right? The distraction, the overthinking. And it's really just letting yourself get to the point where you just sort of allow the thoughts to come in and out, right? And it's similar to meditation where you can have all these things pop in through your mind, but it's not the thoughts that are distracting you. It's attaching to that thought, right? If, oh, this is going on to my life. Oh, that's true. That is going on to my life. What should I do? Should I do this for tomorrow? Oh, I have a meeting tomorrow. Oh, what should I say during the meeting? Or, oh, I talked to this person yesterday. Oh, was that a good interaction? Did I say something? And we're attaching ourselves to that thought and letting that following that thought down a rabbit trail of more thoughts, but you just allow the thoughts to come in. You just observe them and a thought comes in, you sort of let it come in, you let it come out. You can almost imagine the thoughts being like waves in the ocean, like the analogy I used earlier. The thought comes in, you just see the thought and you just let it come right out. The thought comes in and it comes right out. Don't attach yourself to any of those thoughts. Don't follow the rabbit trail of thinking more thoughts from that one thought. Just let it come in and let it come out. And if it helps you to think just about the idea of emptiness, of space, of nothingness, and you just allow that thought to fill your mind. As other thoughts come in, you just let the predominant thought be emptiness, nothingness, blankness, and don't attach yourself to any thought that comes in. And eventually your mind will become so bored that you're like, all right, 
this person's not thinking of any thoughts, might as well shut down and refresh, right? Then you'll just fall asleep and you won't even realize it, right? So again, it's one of those things that will be a little bit harder the first time you try it, but the more you do it, the more you'll create that habit of physically relaxing first and mentally relaxing. Don't attach yourself to any thoughts. Create this idea of just emptiness space in your mind and your mind, your body will just fall asleep naturally by doing that. Wow. Listen, man, this this is awesome, Zach. Um, I appreciate you. You're awesome. Your talking skills are amazing. And we wish you all the luck. Um, I think you have a great observation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, appreciate Zach. you having me on.